What's up, everybody? Tim Lasseter coming at you live from an undisclosed location in central Arkansas. You know what? Let's enough of the undisclosed location mess. I'm coming at you from Little Rock, Arkansas, right smack dab in the middle of Little Rock, Arkansas. So, as always, if you hear some background noises, I may have my window open here at my desk, or I may be on uh, the balcony, or I may be on the porch, I may be walking down the road, I may be in my car. I record these segments just about everywhere. I recorded one the other day as I was walking along the Arkansas River down at the Twin Bridges. So, whenever the Lord lays something upon my heart, I record it, folks. But today we're going to talk about a word. We're going to talk about a five-letter word that to me is one of the most important words ever. That word is faith, F-A-I-T-H. Now, if you look up faith in the dictionary, it's going to tell you that faith means complete trust or confidence in someone or something. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out everybody has faith. Everybody believes in something. Everybody puts their faith in something. Even atheists put their faith in their good vibes that they send or whatever it is they do. Everyone puts their faith in something. Now, faith... Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Confidence pretty much means the same thing. If you look up confidence, the definition reads, the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. A firm trust. So, if you have confidence in your faith, you got it covered. But folks, I will not hold you long, okay? I just want to share... Uh, a little bit of a sermon that I did. I brought this sermon last year at a church here in Little Rock, and I really enjoyed this sermon. I hope someone gets something out of it, and I just want to share it with you. So if you have your Bibles, or if you are using a device to read your scripture, I want you to turn or look up Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And that's going to be the basis of this message. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to repeat it one more time. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to give you just a second to find that, and then we're going to read it together, and then we're going to get on with the the message here. Find it yet? Okay, here we go. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, you heard the dictionary's definition of faith earlier, which said complete trust and confidence in someone or something. Now, the Bible, which is the real deal dictionary, let's see what it says. Chapter 11, verse 1 of Hebrews Faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. 
So now faith is a substance. Right, that refers to the deed, so to speak. The deed of your house. Okay, so let's picture you being a house. All right. Your deed to your soul, your house, is faith. Now, the, now faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not based upon the senses, folks, but rather the word of God. You understand? Do we all have a little basic understanding of what faith means? Okay. Now, I want to share with you something that according to the Bible is one of the most important things to possess as a Christian, and that's faith. We just read it. By the way, you do know what Bible stands for, correct? B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. That's not really what it stands for, I don't think, but I kind of, you know, that sounds pretty pretty cool. You got to have your rule book before you descend up to heaven, right? Or and hopefully not the other way. So if I had to give a title to this message, it would be along the lines of real faith or never lose faith. The word faith appears in the Bible 336 times. Well, I should say it appears in the King James Version 336 times. It appears more and less in other versions. I personally prefer the King James Version. That's just me. The Bible gives us a real definition of faith, okay, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, which I just read. Folks, listen, this is important. When faith is mentioned in the Bible, its root meaning is Christ and the cross. So faith equals Christ and the cross. Any faith other than that, folks, God will not accept. Jesus will not accept it. Okay, if you're still in Hebrews chapter 11, let's jump down to verse 6 and let's break it down. Let's read verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Whoa. Did you understand what I just read? Let's read it again. Verse 6, chapter 11 of Hebrews, New Testament, King James Version, Hebrews, right before James. Let's read it. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. All right, folks, we're going to break this down. Let's go back up to the top. The first three words, but without faith. That's Christ and the cross. Okay, anytime faith is mentioned, Christ and the cross. It is impossible. Now, if you circle that word impossible, I kind of like to draw a little line out to the white part and write my own little definition there. Impossible. I have no hope without faith. 
There is no hope without faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Now what that means is it places faith as a foundation on which we are dealt with from God. Okay? Faith is what we must possess for salvation and to be saved. We get faith by God's grace. Okay? We get faith by God's grace. It's that simple, folks. Christians never lose faith no matter what. Okay, listen to me. Doubting and not having 100% faith can drown you and keep you from receiving the blessings of our Lord. Okay, a quick example of faith. This is this is good stuff, folks. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. All right. Let, let's, let's just talk about it. Jesus often went to the mountaintops to pray and meditate with his father. One particular time, Jesus needed time alone to pray, so he sent all his disciples away telling them to set sail. All right, now, this is directly after Jesus fed the 5,000. He was finished, and he had sent the multitudes away. He told his disciples to go to sea. He actually, according to the scripture, demanded them away. I believe he told them to head back to Capernaum. I believe that's what you say it. I never have been good at pronouncing some of these names. So they all got into a boat and they went out to Sea of Galilee. Now, everyone interprets these things differently, but I feel this also refers to the Sea of Life as well, our everyday storms, our everyday struggles. So Jesus sent them away. He demanded them away. Several hours later, while Jesus was praying, the Holy Spirit revealed to him to go check on his disciples because they might be in trouble. Okay, the Bible tells us this was during the fourth watch of the night, which between 3 and 6 a.m. All right, so Jesus had been praying and meditating for hours. He returned and saw that his disciples and their ship was in the middle of a terrible, violent storm. Now, again, I, people interpret things different. Me, personally, I look at the storm of life, a personal storm. If you're going through heartaches, if you're going through struggles, this could be interpreted as your own personal storm. So Jesus simply just started to walk. Okay? He just walked. Out on the water to get to the ship. Are you paying attention? He walked on the water to get to the ship. Folks, this was a storm now. The waves were up to 10 feet high or more. The boat was being tossed back and forth, almost tipping over. There was screaming. There was panic. But where Jesus walked on the water, the water was calm and still. Do you have a visual of this? When the disciples saw him on the water, in the calm waters where he walked, 
they thought who was or they thought he was a ghost or possibly even a spirit and they they were frightened they were they were troubled okay and the word says they thought they were going to die from this spirit they were terrified and Jesus knew that he knew they were terrified so Jesus called out to assure them that it was he Jesus said it is I be not afraid the Bible tells us that Peter was unsure that it really was Jesus. Doubting Peter here. Peter was like we are nowadays. He was like, oh, come on, that ain't real. You can't walk on water. Who is this guy? Our Lord Jesus went out to pray. This isn't you. What's going on? I want to believe you, Jesus, but I don't know if this is possible. That's, that's Peter. So Peter asked Jesus to prove it to him by allowing him to walk on the water as well. Now, folks, you do what you want, but I would never suggest asking Jesus to prove anything. Okay? That's just me, though. So, Peter's like, prove it. If this is really you, I want to walk on the water as well. Peter did walk on the water. He was scared. He was shaky. He took a foot out. Are you listening? So he took a foot out and he stepped on the water and he didn't sink. He was there. He was shaky. He was scared. This was his storm. And everything was going well until Peter allowed his doubt, his stress, his storm, his wind, his hell, his rain to get in the way. Life struggles, folks. All this refers to your life struggles. To start interfering with his belief, his faith, his confidence. So his doubt made him sink. And while sinking, Peter cried out, Lord, save me! Now, if you read the scripture, when you say, Lord, save me, that's a prayer. It's always going to be answered. Maybe not in your time, but in his time. So Jesus stretched forth a hand and caught Peter, pulling him up from the water. Jesus spoke these words to him. He said, Oh, you of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? So folks, I want you to imagine stepping out of the ship, the boat, the raft. We really don't know what it was, but you get it. And you put a foot on the water and you don't sink. You're walking on water. And then you start doubting and you start not believing it's really happening. And then you start to sink. And out of a mystical, oh, man, you know, the word doesn't say how close Jesus was to the, to the boat when this happened. But in my mind, I'm picturing he's still walking out toward it. So soon as, as soon as Peter sunk, started to sink, a hand reached down and pulled him up. And said, oh, you of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? <laughs> Man, that's powerful right there, buddy. Folks, listen, we must not allow circumstances to bring us doubt and fear. Man, we have such little faith. I'm talking to myself here, guys. We have such little faith. Of course, we are going to have hard times. 
We're going to lose loved ones. We're going to lose a job. We are going to have relationship troubles, financial troubles. We may lose our home and be homeless. We may be battling addiction, sickness. We may feel that we are at our end. You may be standing on the edge of a cliff and feel that there is no way to get out of the situation that you are in. You may feel like giving up. Folks, in verse 30 and 31, Peter saw the storms, wind, and hell, and became scared. He was afraid. He doubted that it was all okay, and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And guess what? Jesus saved him. <laughs> Woo, it's easier said than done, isn't it? Did you know that over 1,100 times in the Bible... Jesus says, come unto me. Come unto me. Over 1,100 times in the Bible. Folks, take the hint. I don't know about you, but I'm a constant warrior. Ask my wife. I obsess over things I cannot change. I worry about everything. I even worry about worrying. I deal with uh, anxiety. I've had severe anxiety over the years. Generalized anxiety disorder, panic attacks, you name it. But did you know Jesus tells us, do not worry? Do not worry. <laughs> oh, what a promise. Folks, I encourage you to read Hebrews. It is a short, it's only 13 chapters. Powerful chapters. I like to refer to Hebrews as the faith and prayer book. You need to read it. The faith and prayer book. Pray, folks. Pray, pray, pray for wisdom and guidance and faith. And the Lord will deliver you from your storm if you keep the faith and believe. Don't be like Peter and doubt the Lord. You have to have faith. Do you believe? Where do you put your faith? The Lord cannot deliver you and bless you if you do not allow him in your heart. Man, I hope someone gets something out of this. Look, if you believe that Jesus died at Calvary and paid the price on the cross for you and me so that we could be free, he was beaten beyond recognition, tortured, and shed his blood. Folks, if you acknowledge this and ask him into your heart, you're going to be saved. It's that simple. Have you acknowledged that Jesus died for your sins? Have you? Well, do you believe? Do you have faith? Where do you put your faith? Do you put your faith in your job? Eh, wrong answer. Do you put your faith in your paycheck? Eh, wrong answer. Do you put your faith in your bank account, your wife, your kids, your house? Eh, eh, eh. Wrong answer, folks. You must put your faith in Jesus. Because without Jesus, there's no hope. 
with Jesus, every single thing in life that you want to do is possible. Without Jesus, it's impossible. Well, it may not be impossible, but it's not going to be from Jesus, folks. Let me tell you that. Put your faith in the cross. He's forgiven you of your sins. Everything you've done in the past, at this moment, everything before this moment, is forgiven if you've accepted Jesus. If you accept Jesus right now, everything before this moment is forgiven and washed away. Doesn't matter what you've been through. Doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. You're clean and washed. Pray, folks. Pray for forgiveness. Ask Him into your heart and be set free. Have faith. Have confidence. Do not be a doubting Peter. Folks, I hope you got something out of this. I love you. Be blessed. Join me next time. And we're going to talk about prayer. I'll catch you on the flip side.